Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. And welcome back to Mads World. I'm your host, Mads, and I hope you've been enjoying the show so far. If you have, please remember to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite listening platform, as it's the simplest way to help out the show. Or find me on social and just tell your mates about it. This episode is sponsored by The O Collective, who is on a mission to inspire people to embrace sexual wellness as a part of our overall well-being. We all have our share of good and bad sex, as you guys know well, and The O Collective is here to make it even better. I'm so excited to partner with them as they share the same values as Mads World and align with everything that you guys love the most. I'm obsessed with their newly launched massage oil candle. You can burn for 10 minutes and then use the oil for a massage to help relax and enhance sensation. Make sure you check them out at the link in the episode description. They've got everything from sex toys to intimate care products to weekly educational content to events across the UK and Europe for you to check out. You can also use the code MADDIELOVE in all lowercase for a free natural lube when you buy one item and 10% off when you sign up. This week, I'm lucky enough to be joined by model, speaker, and body acceptance coach, Kitty Underhill. Kitty uses her platform to help people unpack the negativity they've learned about bodies, debunk beauty myths, and challenge the social status quo about bodies. She's also the creator of the hashtag Totally Tubular campaign, a campaign which aims to raise awareness and fight the stigma about tubular breast syndrome or TBS. In this episode, we chat about the effects of diet culture, fat phobia, thin privilege, self-acceptance versus self-love and much more. Hello, Kitty. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you so much for joining. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast because this is something I've been wanting to speak about for ages on the pod and I have been following you on social media for so long and I think you're such a great advocate in the space of what we're going to chat about. So yeah, thank you so much. Oh, that's so nice to hear, especially when like I think sometimes it feels like you're just like shouting into the void. (laughs) Um, So it's really (laughs) nice to hear that people are listening. That's great. Thank you so much. Brilliant. Well, let's jump into our speed date question round so everyone can learn a bit more about you so my first question is what are you most passionate about I am most passionate about like it sounds cheesy because this is mostly what I talk about online but body acceptance and self-acceptance like I'm very angry that we learn that we're not good enough you know it's not like we pop out of the womb and go oh my god I hate my thighs and maybe I'm a bit yeah. dick like no this is all learned behavior and the fact that we have to go through the process of unlearning is tragic to me like mm-hmm. we all deserve to feel good about ourselves and I think the way that I walk through the world hopefully shows that that is just part of like my ethos and how I want to like interact with people be around people 
I want us all to feel good about ourselves is that so much to ask oh that is so refreshing to hear and it's so we need people like you that are just fighting the cause because honestly you're so right I think we're going to get into this chat a bit later but I think the hatred of our bodies and the hatred of ourselves is is something that we learn it's not something that we're born with because you know it's not it just doesn't feel natural to you know I feel like if it's the whole fighting to survive instinct like where does this internal hatred even come from it's just yeah pushed upon I feel us. like cave people weren't concerned about their weight particularly so true and yet, through the process of like you know capitalistic endeavor brands media all this kind of thing that becomes so much of you know, and it informs so much of how we feel about ourselves. And it's like, where did this come from? Why why do we have to live with this? It's so- yeah. And my next question is, what is your greatest achievement? Ooh. Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I think my greatest achievement was having the opportunity to go back to my senior school to do a talk around body acceptance and self-acceptance which it was a real full circle moment for me because you know when I was at school I'm sure it was probably similar for you as well and for anyone else who's listening that was when my body image and self-esteem issues were at the absolute worst like I remember going to university and telling one of my friends that there were teachers in my school who would round up and go around all the classrooms to make sure like the students were going to lunch And Mm -hmm. I remember my friend saying, gosh, that's awful. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, I didn't think anything of Mm -hmm. it because it was so normalized to hate yourself and your body. So to go back into that space where things were so difficult with this whole brand new attitude, a brand new pair of eyes to help the next generation unpick and unpack to hopefully break that cycle was incredible. And that's also kind of in tandem, I guess, with my other biggest achievement was uh, last year, um, I did some work for On, the period product brand. And some of the, we had a load of our images put up in billboards across the country. And one of the billboards was at the shopping center that I used to go to as a teenager, where I'd go to the top shop, feel absolutely <laughs> terrible about myself, like be crying Aww. in a changing room, like, oh my God, I'm yeah. always going to hate myself. And then seeing mm-hmm. myself like, blown up on a huge screen I just remember arriving just like bursting into tears and was like oh my gosh I'm doing the thing you know I'm making it happen it's incredible and you know what we need to we need to praise these achievements as well because I feel like it's so easy to get caught up in when you're working for yourself and and I'm a creative as well you know we're doing all these different things and these milestones happen so quickly that you forget that you know two years ago before that happened you would just be so proud of yourself and how far you've come now so I think it's just absolutely brilliant like that the the school thing especially because you can see your younger self being so proud of what you've achieved and like yeah I just think that's brilliant thank you and you're absolutely right I think we are so keen to be like what's the next thing what's the next achievement what's the next that we don't celebrate the little wins you know even Mm -hmm. if it's not Mm -hmm. you know I released an article this week or I did this I achieved x goal sometimes getting out of bed is something to celebrate as well like we need to make sure that we keep picking ourselves up as much as possible 100 percent. and in terms of picking yourself up my next question is actually what is something that always makes you smile I mean, I feel like this is a very broad answer, but like yeah. silliness for me. Yeah. Like anything that is silly. Like mm-hmm. I um 
I rewatched Anchorman 2 the other day and a oh friend of mine were like, I posted about it on like one of my close friends' story and my friend was like, are you a teenage boy? And I was like, you don't get it. It's just so silly. I love it. It's so silly. It's just silly, nonsense, shenanigans, like mm-hmm. anything mm-hmm. that is just complete nonsense will always put a smile on my face. Honestly, my whole TikTok algorithm is just people being silly. Like, oh my God, yes, me too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just and so I'm like, dumb. I'm so glad this app exists. Like, Honestly, I'm like, I don't need like recipes content I don't need makeup no. tutorials I just need weird people being weird that's yeah, all I want in my absolutely <laughs> and it's like and I just find it so funny because like I grew up obviously with like the MySpace generation and I guess there was, like, oh, God, a bit of Facebook yeah. and that kind of thing where you had to like present your coolest self and now it's almost got like full circle where it's like how <laughs> yeah. weird can I possibly be and that's the kind of stuff I want to see I am obsessed I love it it's so good and my next question is what do you wish more people understood about you Oh, that is such a good question. I think weirdly because I present myself or I think I think of myself as such an open book that this yep. is such a, it's quite an interesting question to answer. Mm. Um, I guess that I've been through quite a lot and that is the reason why I'm in the space that I'm in today because I think sometimes we can look to influencers and social media people and go oh my god they've completed it mate like they're amazing they haven't gone through anything difficult blah 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 and they're putting out all these messages because they're on the other side of self-acceptance body acceptance whatever but I think it's important to say that I'm still going through it too like I'm never going to be a complete project and I don't think it's fair of any of us to expect perfection of ourselves or that we're going to eventually quote unquote make it to this point because life is always going to throw stuff at you. And if you compare yourself to people thinking that they are at this future point, it means that you don't take stock of yourself and what you need as much as potentially you should. So just that like, you know, I'm going through it too. I'm not perfect. Nobody is. I'm doing my best. I'm just out here vibing. And thankfully it's like (laughs) paid off quite well. Yeah, honestly, I think that's so true. And I think that the journey to success and happiness is a life's work. It's not like something that you get to and then you're like, did it, yay. It's like you're always changing, you're meeting new people, bad things are going to happen to you, good things are going to happen to you, and it's sort of like your ideas of success and happiness will adapt and change over the course of your life as well. So, yeah, I think that's such such a good answer, yeah. Yeah, because people shift and so does your body. So, you can't expect yourself to stay the same forever. So inevitably different things are going to come up. And as long as you treat yourself with self-compassion and kindness in the meantime, like you're doing your best. Love that. And my final question for this round is what is your funniest date story? (laughs) So (laughs) Well, actually it doesn't count if I haven't actually been on the date yet. Of course, you can okay. tell any story you want. This is just—it's an open discussion. Fabulous. Choose your own ending. Because <laughs> I had one recently where, so for context, I was in a relationship for like over a decade, right? Mm-hmm. Um, oh wow! So I know what a concept. Um, so after <laughs> <laughs> truly, um, so then after that, I was like hopping on apps because I believe that's what people do these days. Yeah. And I matched with someone on a dating app, and then I got a message from them being like is that really you? And I was like, wait, what do you mean? And then they messaged me on my Instagram and were like, this person is using your profile, by the way. Are you aware that someone's (laughs) using your profile? And I was like, no, no, it's me. Like, and they, like, (laughs) bless their cotton socks. Like, 
they thought oh. that someone was catfishing as me on dating apps. And I think that's also because it really was That's really flattering. The, I mean, like, I know. That's I was flat- like, mm, so flattering you. Someone to wants you. to be me. No. But I like... <laughs> But it was so surreal because I was like, why would anyone catfish as me as the first place? And then I was almost like, what proof do you need that I'm actually me? You know? Yeah. Like, it was deeply surreal. Oh my God, that's so funny. That's actually happened to me before, though. Someone has like made a, uh, they've put my photo as their profile picture on Instagram. No, and I was like, oh, why do flattered, people also, do this? You're very weird. Yeah. And also, it's like, you wonder how they found you and went, that's the one. That's who I want to be. Like, it's honestly bananas. <laughs> that's so jokes. I'm really pleased that that person did that, though. Good on them. Oh my gosh. No, absolutely. That is so kind of them to like go yeah. through, like, do their due diligence, I guess. And I'm still meaning to go on that date. So if they're listening, Please message me. Please message me. Please do. Oh, brilliant. Well, we we briefly touched on the work that you do on social media and online in regards to body acceptance earlier, but I was hoping that you could give our listeners a bit of an intro, intro into the work that you do online and how this sort of began and the journey that it's taken you on. Sure. So I, oh, where to start? So I, you know, went through, I think, as I mentioned earlier, such difficulty growing up with my own body image and self-esteem issues you know I ended up in quite a tricky kind of emotionally abusive relationship where you know he wouldn't be seen with me until I was a size six and it was really quite intense and but what was interesting with hindsight in that is that I mean obviously he never should have said that stuff to me it's vile but he had learned that beauty looks a certain way he'd internalized the beauty standard and gone right if you're going to be beautiful to me you need to look a certain way your body needs to look a certain way and because I'd internalized the same message at no point did I think he was saying something wrong I was just like well you're absolutely right and it just perpetuated something that I already felt about myself and I when I went to university I was really lucky in that my first uh, lecturer her specialism was in um, tackling like fat phobia, racism, structural oppression, and that sort of thing. Like, yeah, because I studied psychology and sociology. And it was such an incredible awakening because I was like, so much of what I've learned about what a good body is and a bad body is, is systemic. And so much of it is what I've internalized around the world around me. And then I got really angry about it and was like, this is so unfair. Like, <laughs> fair at, enough. <laughs> right. Like, at best, yeah. you know, we're left with body image issues. At worst, it results in marginalization, structural oppression, death. You know, this stuff can have real life consequences. And in the process of this, I was trying to get out there in the acting world. And I met someone in a smoking area of a bar in Brighton and like, Freshest week, I think. And <laughs> the I was best like, place to meet no, people. of course, yeah, it's the best place for networking for anyone who's interested. It actually um, is. Like, it's not bad, it's so you know. Weird. I've met so many good people. <laughs> um, but he was basically saying that he works for this particular label and they're always looking for models for music videos. And I was like, well, not really a model, but I'll throw myself out there. I could put it on my acting show reel, see what happens. Um, the shoot went really well. And I was like, oh, this is fun. And then they um, asked me to model for their t-shirt brand. And I was almost like, um, are you sure you're talking to the right person? Are you sure you got the right number, babes? Um, because that was <laughs> not something that ever occurred to me. Like not only because of my own issues around body image, but also because I never saw anybody who looked like me at that time. There wasn't really any visibility for plus size models really. And if there were plus size models, it was usually 
you know, the very kind of, you know, big bust, small stomach, that kind of thing, which is absolutely not me. And because of that, it never really occurred to me that modeling was something that I could do. But I went on the shoot and I loved it. And I had such a good time. And I, because I was on like an acting casting network, somebody else messaged me about doing a photo shoot. And I was like, well, I mean, if, you know, if the shoe fits, I'll go. And (laughs) as a result of this, I kind of found myself more in these kind of more um, body acceptance spaces. I was on, I was on Tumblr a lot of the time and I started being loud on the internet about how messed up it is that we don't have representation for so many different types of bodies. The fact that all of us learn to have body image issues. And thankfully people resonated with me and I grew a bit of a following from there. And then over the past sort of couple of years or so, um, I had people coming up to me sort of saying, look, I follow all the right people online. What am I doing wrong? And it just occurred to me that it sucks that people feel like it's their fault that they're doing something wrong when they're trying their best to learn more about themselves and learn more about how to accept themselves. Uh, so I took on some coaching training. So I'm now a qualified body and self-acceptance coach because I want to bridge the gap between what people learn online and how they can actually make that part of their lives, how to bring tools and strategies for how they can navigate the world in a world that tells them that they shouldn't like themselves and that their body isn't good enough. And now I'm here today doing my thing, I guess. (laughs) That's so brilliant. And it's brilliant that you've turned something that, you know, is ultimately quite negative that you experienced in school into something positive and and helping others. So that's really, really awesome. And um, we spoke earlier about the the personal hatred of our bodies and how it's, it's not a natural a natural thing. It's more of a learnt behaviour. So through your coaching and your work there, how do you think we can stop the negative thought spiral when it comes to things like our bodies or just who we are? Uh, I think the key thing that I would say is become critical of the media that you consume because we are seeing, especially in this generation, we are seeing a bombardment of media coming at us all the time. And not a lot of it is helpful. A lot of it is deeply unhelpful. And even if you do your best to try and avoid it, you'll get a sponsored diet ad or you'll get a sponsored ad from Noom or Weight Watchers who are trying to rebrand into quote unquote wellness. And we all know that's not what it is. Um, So it's really key to just ask yourself questions about the kind of media that's showing up. Like, is this helpful? How is this making me feel? Is this something I need to engage with? What is this telling me about my body? What is this teaching me about bodies that aren't like my own? Because so much of what we consume is underpinned by societal messages around what a good body and what a bad body is, what a good person, what a bad person is, you know, and that's why so much of our self-esteem stuff can come up in this as well you know if we you know there was the whole the five to nine before the nine to five tiktok trend where people are going oh god i'm not doing enough i should be doing this it's like no if it's not congruent with you and if it's not something that's practical for you or good for you that doesn't mean that you're a bad person it means that you function in a different way and that's okay i think it's also super important to actually have a you know, make the time to interrupt that negative thought. Even if it's like just, you know, clapping and going, nope, I'm not doing this today or distracting (laughs) yourself or doing something that you really love to, you know, shift away from that self-hate into a more self-loving space. I think that critical thinking of the media that we're presented with is so interesting because sometimes you may not even think 
to question the the structures that are in place. It's it's Absolutely. sort of, I suppose, like the whole gender thing as well, you know, that has come into the forefront of everyone's discussions in the last five years. But prior to that, it wasn't really something people would question. It was more just the way it is. So when we're yeah. shown these ads and stuff, you know, in regards to diet culture, which we'll get into in a sec, like it's not something that I had ever really thought to question until the last few years. So, yeah. yeah, I think that's that's really, really interesting. No, exactly, because, you know, why would we question it when we're surrounded by it all the time? You know, one of the things that I think of, like, especially when I was younger, is that I didn't see a way that body acceptance or even thinking about having that be a part of my life was an achievable goal because I never saw that modelled. I never saw that out there. So why would I think that there's an alternative way when you're only presented with kind of one very finite option? And you've written about diet culture as well. So what does diet culture actually mean and what does it mean to you? So diet culture is a culture which essentially emphasizes the importance of being on a diet, losing weight and making that almost like the forefront of your life. So, you know, we see this a lot in, I think it's a lot more subtle now because a lot of, as I said earlier, a lot of weight loss companies and diet companies are trying to rebrand because they're realizing that they've cottoned on to, or we've cottoned on to them and the way that they work. And, you know, we, there are so many messages around that as well about how you should and shouldn't eat. And within that is a lot of fat phobia and a lot of, and fat phobia is in tandem with racism as well. So for me, diet culture is the, cultural imperative that weight loss should be at the forefront of your mind and there's a way out of that you know I think it's again once you're in it when you're in it you don't see another way and then you break free of it and you go oh my gosh why did I used to beat myself up like this why did I think that I had to eat a certain way you know even just in a minimal scale, people would choose food that would help them lose weight, but brings them no joy whatsoever. Like the amount of unseasoned chicken that you would see and, <laughs> you know, you're not allowed yeah, to have yeah. this, but you can have this. Like one example I think about constantly is a couple of years ago now, I remember I was making myself avocado on toast at home and my dad was like, oh, well, you know, avocado's got fat in it. And I was like, it's an avocado. This is a vegetable. <laughs> Wait, is it a fruit or a vegetable? It's got I a seed it's in a, it. I, don't I think know. it's technically, a- either way, it's, it's, but because we <laughs> culturally know that quote unquote fat is bad, mm-hmm. we go anything with fat in it, I must avoid. But that's so not true. It's a, you know, there's no room for nuance in these kind of, these kind of diet culture spaces because we've labeled food as bad or some food as good. And food, but the thing is, is that our bodies are so individual. There is no blanket subscription of how you should eat or how you should move your body. But I remember hearing this fantastic quote and I'm going to fumble it now, but somebody said that diet culture is the practice of teaching you how to distrust your body. And we have gone through this process of, you know, like for example, if you sneeze, you sneeze, right? But we've been taught that hunger, a perfectly natural physical cue, is something that we should persuade ourselves out of. Like you don't go, oh, I think I'm going to sneeze. Let me drink a glass of water instead. Like it's just (laughs) all these really nasty messages that encapsulate Mm -hmm. diet culture and 
but it's it's so tacit and it's so underhanded and kind of secretive and underlying in all these different ways that it could be very very sneaky and very difficult to pick up on ryan reynolds here from Mint mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down so to help us we brought in a reverse auctioneer which is apparently a thing Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Yeah. And I think it's something that I'm, you know, I constantly swing back and forth between. It's like, I'll get to a point where I'm like, yes, like, you know, life's too short. Life's about living deliciously and just enjoying everything and all these things. And then some days you, you know, usually when I have my period, to be honest, is when I'll swing back and, you know, and then you're just like, what am I doing? Like, I, I look so big, like, all, and it's just this constant thing. And I think that's being stuck between, you know, what you were saying, the diet culture and what we're presented with in the media and then the self-love movement as well, which is encouraging that. But, and also the older generations as well. Like I noticed like my mom's generation and boomers and Gen X and everything, I think their diet culture is so embedded in their way of life. And it has been for, you know, 50, 60 years, like beyond. And it's, it's something that when you're having conversations with older people, you notice it so much more. And that's when I swing back and I'm so much more aware of it. But, you know, then I'll speak to people who are Gen Z and they're like, oh, just do what you want. It's fine. Like, you know, and I feel really, as a millennial, I feel very stuck in the middle. Yeah, we're stuck in the middle. Absolutely. And it's funny you mentioned the older generation as well, because as I mentioned me speaking in my senior school last year, I actually ended up on mum's net because somebody complained about me. Oh, classic. (laughs) <laughs> mum's net is the most toxic place ever it is oh, horrific my God. I mean like <laughs> I already knew that it was a hotbed of transphobia racism xenophobia oh, it's a don't. nasty nasty place <laughs> but what I found so interesting was that 
you know, I, I was getting so many comments about my body and, oh, I'm promoting obesity. I look like I'm going to have diabetes and blah, 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 blah. And I just thought if anyone spoke to their child, the way they were speaking about me, they would have an absolute fit. But for some reason, because I was, I'm a cycle breaker here. I'm trying to make sure that your kids don't have the same mentality as you. And they just did not, they, they could not see past that. And instead they had to pick me apart. And it was really difficult to get through, to be honest, because, you know, especially when, you know, it's mum's net, it's a bunch of mums. And, you know, like if if you feel like you're hearing it from a mum voice, it feels even harsher somehow. And, you know, I, I feel so sad for that generation as well, because I think, you know, they've been taught that that is the only way. And I think our generation and Gen Z have gone, no, it isn't. Why should I, why should I hate myself? Why should I eat like fava beans if they're gross? <laughs> you know, like why, why should I do that? Whereas, it's you know, so you gross. Have the, yeah, it is so gross. And then like, but then you have that generation that's like, oh, I'm being naughty if I have a slice of cake in the office. And it's like, Susan, just eat the damn cake. You're not committing arson. Like Janet. you're going to be fine. Like Janet, <laughs> come on. Janet. And it's just, I, I wish them, I wish them freedom from all of this really, because I think there must be a, a kind of grief in it, in a way that if you've committed so much energy in your life to something that you're now being told you didn't have to in the first place, you're going to have to reconcile with the fact that you lost so many years to weight loss and trying to lose weight and trying to be skinny and all this kind of thing. And it's, you know, I think back to this quote all the time of like, on your deathbed, you're not going to be like, oh, I looked really good in a bikini. You're going to go, think of all the incredible life experiences I had and all the love I felt and what a beautiful family and friends I had. It's, you're not going to be thinking like, you're going to wish you had that cake on your deathbed, you know? So true. It's so funny you talk about deathbeds because the podcast, um, the most recent podcast I did, we were saying, you know, should you shag on the first date? And the person who was a guest (laughs) was like, you're never going to be on your deathbed saying I had too much sex. No. (laughs) That is so true. Oh, my gosh. So true, Iconic line. Yes, absolutely. So iconic. And going back to, um, you know, trolls online, I was going to ask you about, you know, what what can we say to people or what would your rebuttal be to people that push the link between obesity and health? And and this includes mental health as well. But obviously they're talking about physical health. But, you know, there's mental health repercussions for these sorts of things too. Yeah, I think there's a real... There's, it's such a bugbear for people because people can't stand happy fat people, right? And that's their fat phobia shining through. Mm-hmm. And the person I think of the most is Lizzo in this occasion. You know, mm-hmm. she is somebody who really breaks the quote unquote stereotype, right? She she is fat. She is happy. She's not trying to lose weight. She does dance routines and plays the flute at the same time, which is the kind of workout <laughs> I couldn't even dream of doing. No and way. people are still like, oh, she's so fat. She should lose weight. She's so unhealthy. It's like, no, she's not. And even if she was unhealthy, why is that our business? We, for the most part, we're not doctors. And a lot of things that we've learned around bodies and health are not helpful. So for example, the BMI is a huge one that often gets used a lot of, oh, you must have a big BMI, whatever. But BMI was never used, was never meant to be used to measure individual sizes. It was meant to be used to measure weights across populations. And it was also created by, I think, like a statistician or a mathematician. So we didn't actually know anything about bodies anyway. Yeah. And, 
because it's this very skewed numerical measure it doesn't encapsulate the rest of your life you know like I, I mean I wouldn't always use this example but you know there are rugby players who would be considered obese because of mm-hmm. their BMI because it doesn't take yeah. into muscle you know and so I think it's really key that we keep questioning where we've learned this stuff about bodies why is it that we believe thin is healthy and fat is unhealthy from personal experience when I was at my most disordered eating weight I was not healthy I was not well I but you know everyone around me was like oh my god babe like how did you do it you look amazing and it was like but this is what we learn this is what we learn to praise and this is what we learn to scold you know and that's why those comments are so dangerous as well you know commenting on anyone's weight whether they've lost weight or gained weight is just so unhealthy because either way you're encouraging someone who may have an issue or you know you're shaming them and making them feel terrible so it's sort of like how like I just think it's something like just comment on someone's hair. Yeah, <laughs> like exactly. say they're like, say they're a beautiful person. Like exactly. Just, yeah, and it's so easy to do that. And I think it's so, you know, again, like comments about people's bodies are so normalised that we don't think to mm. not do it, and mm-hmm. that can become or it is quite problematic because you don't know what that person is going through. Like for example, mm-hmm. I have friends who would not be on this planet if not for mental health medication, and. Mm some mental health medication makes you gain weight and people Mm go, Oh, well, you know, they've really like fallen off the wagon. They've really, you know, and you just think like, so would you rather they weren't on this planet anymore? Yeah. Than be fat? Like Mm -hmm. our priorities societally are so skewed that we don't think about the absolute nuances of what, who's, you know, our bodies and how they're different to each other. Like one person's healthy is another person's unhealthy and making these blanket statements is unhelpful for everybody involved. And you've spoken about fat phobia a couple of times. I just want to, for everyone listening, um, just clear up what is fat phobia and how is fat phobia prevalent in pop culture? Because I know we spoke about Lizzo a little bit, but you also mentioned it was intrinsically linked to racism, which I thought was really interesting. Sure. So um, fat phobia is in a in a nutshell, the societal hatred of fat people and the oppression of fat people. So, mm-hmm. you know, on smaller scales, it's, you know, as what we're talking about here, it's, you know, body shaming and that sort of thing. But on grander scales, it can result in marginalization and even death. You know, um, a story I think of a lot, which I wrote about a few years ago, mm-hmm. was a, he was a fat guy and he went to the doctor and he was like, look, I've got really bad stomach pains. There's something wrong with me. And the doctor just told him to lose weight. This man had a nine stone tumor in his stomach Whoa. that had to be surgically removed. Exactly. But this man was dismissed because of his weight and his health concerns weren't heard. And that could, he could have died. You know what I mean? And so this stuff is really prevalent in that kind of way. You know, we think about accessibility of spaces as well. Like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if you go to a restaurant and there are certain booths and your friend won't be able to fit in, that's fat phobia too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even, you know, I, so my dad's a fat guy and Mm -hmm. he gets worried about eating in public because of what people could possibly say or comments or whether people will look at him. And, Mm -hmm. you know, this stuff shows up in so many different ways. And the way that uh, fat phobia and racism are intrinsically linked is it, this comes from a book called Fearing the Black Body by Sabrina Strings, which I would recommend everybody to read. It's it's meaty. It's, you're going to need your highlighters, but it's fantastic. And essentially... (laughs) 
um, fatness was used as a way to differentiate white folks from black folks where during the slave trade. And so it meant that white folks were trying to say, well, our bodies are better than theirs because we don't look like that. And so it perpetuated itself from there and became more tacit and became more underhanded. So you can also see that in, you know, Lizzo will experience a greater you know, intensity of fat phobia because she is a black woman. So she will experience fat phobic misogynoir. Um, and it's because of this, we have to be more conscious of, it's not just fatness, you know, it's just another pin in the intersectionality wheel that I think often gets overlooked. Like we don't think of, because as I said, it's so normalized to judge a fat body, to be hateful of a fat body, to deny them kindness or respect that's an oppression as well that we really need to keep looking at. Yeah. And how does fat phobia influence thin privilege and what is thin privilege? So thin privilege is essentially the ways in which you move through the world are going to be easier because you are in a smaller body. So for example, you and I could probably go to the doctor and say, oh, I've got a stomach pain, like the patient that I previously spoke about. And they would go, oh, okay, well, we'll do a scan and we'll set you up for this. And we'll, you know, they will think about our health holistically because we appear in a thinner body. Whereas a fat person would go to the doctor and experience something completely different. Um, Thin privilege also looks like walking into a shop and being able to buy clothes in your size, which is something that a lot of us absolutely take for granted. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's and I think it's a really good point to talk about thin privilege because it becomes a bit of a sticky subject for a lot of people because people go, oh, well, just because I'm thin doesn't mean I haven't experienced body image issues. And that's absolutely correct. But the thing is, is that hating your body is not the same as oppression. And these things have become conflated, especially with the watering down of the body positivity movement, because it's become understood as I, you know, feeling positive about your body. But body positivity came from really radical political movements in the 1960s from a man who wanted to make sure that being fired for your weight was no longer a thing, which is something yeah. that people still have to think about. There was an article a few mm-hmm. years ago by a French, she was a teacher and she was given an ultimatum of, and she's a teacher, bear in mind, not even a PE teacher, not that it even matters, But this school gave her an ultimatum of either you lose weight or you get fired. This is something that keeps happening. Slimmer people don't have to think about this. It's all the thin privilege is essentially all the things you don't have to think about within your body. And if we if we are someone that benefits from thin privilege, how do we combat that? And how do we what are the best ways that we could make a difference individually as well as a society? Oh, good question. So I think God, it's no, a no, big question. It's, actually, it's a big question. Let me just put the world to rights in the next 10 minutes. Um, <laughs> okay. No, I think one of the things that I try and do as well, because I think I sit almost on the cusp of, so I, I'm kind of, there's a scale and I wish I could remember who created it, but a fat liberationist essentially created a scale of fatness. So there's small fat, medium fat, all the way up to infinite fat. And that kind of is about not only your body size, but also kind of what oppressions you will face. So as a small fat, 
I could walk into Zara. Actually, no, I can't walk into Zara and buy anything I want to buy. That's not true. Um, but, you know, most shops out of 10, I could probably buy something that would fit me. But I could also be potentially conscious of a doctor being like, have you tried losing weight? So I'm on that kind of scale. So I do experience like an element of thin privilege. And one of the things I do try and do is... You know, if someone says, and I think this happens a lot with people who are slimmer, will go, oh, I feel fat. And you go, okay, well, fat isn't a feeling. What does this mean? Yeah. And because we've learned that fat is bad. And so getting someone to kind of challenge why they're using the word fat instead of, say, bloated, unhappy, undesirable, da-da-da, gets them to kind of unpick why they've discovered that fat is a bad thing or why they refer to themselves in that way. Um, And I think it's also worth, you know, it's really, really key because I think obviously on social media, you want to follow people who look like you because it's affirming to see somebody who has potentially gone through something similar to you and go, oh, well, if they could do it, I could do it too. But I really encourage people to follow people who are much, much bigger than themselves. Keep learning about fat phobia, keep learning about how fat phobia intersects with disability and racism and queerness you know we've seen a bit of that at the moment with sam smith in that you know they have gained weight and everyone's up in arms and it's like oh god the humanity whatever and it's just (laughs) nonsense really let them be fat and happy they're having the best time of their life it looks like that's what's important but you know it's so important to consider all the ways that these things show up that maybe we're not conscious of and i think as well in terms of your own body image issues as well because I remember I posted a TikTok a few months ago and it said that you know for the most part people's body image issues will be alleviated if they tackled their own fat phobia because once you come to grips with the fact that you might gain weight that and find safety in that rather than being scared or angry or disgusted by that that's when you have a lot more freedom and that's when you realize how much fat phobia you've actually learned yourself because it's just one of the many other oppressions that we've internalized by being in the society that we live in. And when we're talking about self-acceptance or when we're talking about um, our self-image, do you think that self-acceptance or self-love is more achievable and do you think that they're different? Ooh, yeah, I think the way I would distinguish it, it may be different from another person mm-hmm. is that self-love is very much that kind of, I am fabulous all the time, whoop, 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 kind of vibe. <laughs> self-acceptance yeah, yeah, yeah. is, I think I would draw parallels between self-acceptance and like body neutrality in that yeah. you walk through the world with just the certain knowledge that you're okay. You don't have to shout from the rooftops about how fabulous you are, if you want to, by all means. But <laughs> especially when we all walk through the world in different bodies, experiencing different aspects of marginalization. Self-love isn't going to always be possible because you're in a world that tells you that your body shouldn't exist or Mm -hmm. you shouldn't be Mm -hmm. the way that you are. So I think it's, it's about having a little bit of nuance about what you personally feel is achievable for you. And though what I would say for me personally is that I try and move through the world with self-love in that I move through the world as, I mean, I do love myself. There are some days where like, I'm not the biggest fan of myself, but at least I know that like I'm doing my best all the time. It's about treating yourself with more compassion than what society allows you to usually have. 
Yeah, and I think self-acceptance is sort and the body neutrality, that term you used, I, I love that because I think that should be the baseline and then mm. self-love was where we work up from there instead of, you know, body hatred, which seems to be the baseline, and then self-acceptance is what we're working towards, whereas it's Absolutely. like it, it should just be that we all move through the world and it's not like the way we look isn't like animals aren't affected by the way they look. They don't care. Like I feel like that's that's natural, you know. But we're we're somehow working from all of the influences that were that are thrust upon us. We're working from a negative when we should be just working, you know, from a, a baseline of acceptance. Exactly. And this is the thing. It's like we're permanently playing catch up because we're starting from like ten, a hundred steps behind where we would ideally be. So. So if self-acceptance is zero, maybe, or, you know, self-love is maybe a 10 or a 20, but even then it's all individual to the person. Exactly. And finally, what are your best tips to encourage people on their own personal journey to self-acceptance or self-love? I would recommend, I think, again, like speaking from the things I said earlier, being more critical of the media you consume, you know, we're in a really cool place at the moment where for the most part, you can curate your social media feed to just bring you joy and bring you goodness. Um, So what you can always do is do a bit of a social media detox because, you know, sometimes you can follow people out of aspiration, which is, you know, sometimes fair enough. But if you're aspiring from a place of, I'll never be as good as them, that's actually not helpful. If you're aspiring from a place of, I love their vibe, I just want a little bit more of that in my life, that's where you want to be. You don't want to feel less than the person you want to aspire to. You want to feel like you're on a similar page, just in maybe a different book you know? And also I think what's really important is that you can just mute people. Cause I think sometimes people go, Oh, well, the person who makes me feel bad is my friend. Like, what do I do? But they actually don't notice for the most part, if you've muted them, because you can always at the moment, you can just blame the algorithm. No one will ever know. (laughs) Um, So it's absolutely fine. Um, Blame the algorithm. (laughs) Yes. Always do it all the time. Um, But that's the thing is like, You want to make sure that each space that you have, whether that's your bedroom, whether that's your friendship circles, whether that's where you are online, is full of care and love and compassion. And that also means being nice to yourself, which sounds really simple, but I don't think we realize just how how easy it is to be so self-deprecating. And that kind of negative self-talk is so normal. You know, even I, from time to time, like... I'll misplace something and I'll go, oh, you're such an idiot. And I'm like, wait, hey, 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 wait a second. Whoa. Don't be so mean. Whoa, hey, yo, wait, like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, and it's just so silly because like, yeah, you know, and, and you know, it kind of ties into what I said earlier. Like, I'm still on this journey too. I'm doing the best I possibly can with the resources that I've been given. And it's the case for everyone. Like, not every, we've all been given kind of shoddy resources on how we can like ourselves and love ourselves because there are so many forces at play that want us to not. So it's about building a resource toolkit for yourself that treats you with kindness, that asserts to you that you are always worthy and that you're always good. Like I'm sitting next to my wardrobe at the moment and on my wardrobe is, I set myself a few months ago, a 30 day self-care challenge where each day I had to do like three to five of the tasks on my list. And some of them were like, meditating having a bath other ones were like doing your laundry like very like (laughs) yeah it's all kinds of scales of stuff but 
by making self-care a part of my daily practice that's a way of showing myself love and that is something I would recommend to absolutely everybody because we're all so deserving of the love that we give to other people and for some reason we, when it comes to ourselves we go oh no 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 I don't deserve that but uh, you absolutely yeah, do you we do. all deserve that love Oh, Kitty, honestly, I've gotten so much out of this chat and I've, oh, so I've, absolutely, loved, I've absolutely loved speaking with you. And, um, thank yeah, thank you so much for coming on. I think the work that you do is brilliant. So, yeah, thanks thank again. You. Oh, my God, it was my absolute pleasure. And these questions are badass. You're a badass. Keep doing lives. <laughs> Thank you. I hope you enjoyed my chat with the wonderful Kitty. Please let me know on my Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, wherever. If you have any stories or thoughts of your own to share about the podcast, love and elbow taps. Peace. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 